the reading from Acts chapter 17. Acts 17, starting at verse 22. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you're ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> so I, I wonder if you've, if you've ever found yourself asking questions like, what's it all about? Or why are we here? What is, what is the meaning of life? Is there meaning to life? Or, you know, where is human history headed? Have you ever asked th things like that? I, I bet you have. Most, most people, I think, once in a while will, will ponder these sort of big um, philosophical questions. Well, the, the people to whom the words I just read, the, the people to whom those words were originally spoken, these were people who thought about these kind of big philosophical existential mysteries all the time. Acts 17, 22 to 31, this is a speech that the Apostle Paul delivered to a group of philosophers and intellectual leaders in first century Athens. And you probably know that the, the, uh, the ancient Greek culture, was it was renowned for its study of philosophy. The, the ancient Greeks thought very, very carefully about, about logic and ethics and the nature of reality. They, the, they were a culture devoted to trying to understand the meaning of life. And in Acts chapter 17, the Apostle Paul was, was invited to address a group of leaders in, in, in that society, in, in Athens, so that he could explain to them the teaching of the Christian faith. They wanted to understand where he was coming from, what were these, these teachings that he had brought to their city. And so what we have here is, is his speech to them. And this, this is not, would you agree, this is not really a full explanation of the gospel. It's not, it's not even close to that. What Paul gave them is sort of, it's more of an introduction to the Christian worldview, just to give them a background of understanding so that if they were interested, they could, they could understand the message about Christ. And in this speech, you'll notice that Paul, Paul explains, I would say, three things to them that, that sort of address these big philosophical questions about, about life. Paul explains to them our purpose, no, why we exist as human beings, our purpose 
He explains our problem, and then he begins to point toward God's solution to our problem. So first, our, our purpose. I read recently of, about a, a high school science teacher who would greet his students in his classroom every day. He would greet his students with these words. Good morning, cosmic accidents. <laughs> That's what he would call them. And, and you say, you know what? A, that is a horrible thing to say to a group of young people. Well, you know, a, a teacher, he was just being honest with his students about, about the worldview that was being, that was being taught to them in his classroom. It, it's really the worldview that's taught to us in our culture. You see, the, the dominant uh, narrative in Western culture today is what you could call Darwinian naturalism. And this, this narrative states that you, yeah, you, you are nothing more than an accident. You, you are a random collocation of molecules that, that came together through a long series of, of arbitrary mutations. These, these molecules that, that, that make up you, they, ca- they came together for no real reason. Someday they will separate for no real reason. The earth, you know, the earth will keep spinning. The universe will continue to expand. Our sun will someday explode. And, you know, and it really won't matter that you even existed at all. Uh, Richard Dawkins, a famous atheist writer, he wrote this. He said, the universe we observe has no design, no purpose, no evil, and no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. That's, that, that's another way of saying, listen, everything, everything happened by chance. Therefore, nothing matters. Nothing matters, including you, like, like everything else, you you are just a meaningless accident. So that's, this is the way the dominant narrative in Western culture, you know, people usually aren't so, um, so bold as to say this clearly, but this is the way the dominant narrative defines you. Well, the Bible says, don't you believe that for a minute. Don't believe that about yourself for a minute. The Bible, the Bible says you are not an accident. You, the Bible says you were created by a wise, loving infinitely beautiful being whom we call God. That God created you. Genesis 1 says God created you in his image. And among other things, that means, listen, that means you were created to reflect the glory of the infinite one. You you were created to experience firsthand the goodness and the love and the joy of your creator. You were created to know God and, and to enjoy a relationship with him. That is your purpose. So as the old timers who wrote the, the old Westminster Shorter Catechism, they said, catechism they, they said this. They said, your purpose as a human is what? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's why we're here. And, and this is what Paul tells the Athenians, um, starting, at, starting at verse 24. This is what he says to them. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands, by human hands. In other words, God is not just the invention of organized religion. No, he's real. He says, and he's, he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. In other words, God is not out just to, you know, to get stuff from us. No. Rather, Paul says, he himself gives. He gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this. 
Why? Why did God create us? Paul says, verse 27, God did this so that people would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any of us. So, so what, what Paul is saying here is he's saying this is our purpose. God made us. And, and, and notice he says God made every, every nationality, every ethnicity. God made every human being in his image. God made us for a relationship with himself. We were created. You were created to know God, to enjoy God. That's our purpose. Now, our problem. Uh, we do have a problem. The Bible says that our, our problem is even, even though, listen, even though we were created for a, a relationship with the infinite one, there's, there, something has gone wrong, horribly wrong in here, in human nature. And, and, and this keeps us separated from him. You, you see this in, in what Paul says to the Athenians, starting at verse 3. P- t- Paul talks about what he's observed in their city. Verse 23, he says, As I walked around your city and look carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you're ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. They were, they were ignorant of the thing they worshiped. In, in other words, the one thing their hearts were created to hunger for, a relationship with the living God, the one thing their hearts were created to hunger for is something that they just couldn't find. <laughs> they, they could never find. They were, they were separated from God. That was their problem. Now, why? Why were they separated from God? Well, the problem, the problem is not that God was, uh, was hiding from them. In, end of verse 27 uh, Paul, Paul says this, he says, he's not far from any one of us. For in verse 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. So the problem is not that God was hiding from them, right? And, and, and the problem was also not that they were, you know, indifferent or ap- apathetic about finding God. Paul says in verse 22, he says, um, he says this, he says, people of, of Athens, I see that in every way you are very, religious. Now, I think Paul meant that as a compliment. I think, I think what, he was, what he was saying to them, he's saying, listen, I, guys, I can tell that you are not a bunch of frivolous, shallow-minded people who don't care about important things. I can just tell you genuinely desire to know God. So their closest, their closest um, understanding of God was that he was unknown to them, to an unknown God. They were separated from him. Why? It's not because God was hiding, and it was, it's not because they were like irreligious people. Why were they separated from God? Well, you know, if you, uh, if you go to the doctor, and the doctor gives you some lifestyle advice, the counsel that the doctor gives you indicates the nature of the problem you're struggling with, right? So, so for example, if the doctor says, you need to get more exercise, that means, what? It means you're out of shape, right? Or if the doctor says, you need to go on a diet, that means you've been eating too much, right? You're overweight. Or if the doctor says, you need to get seven to eight hours of sleep every night, what does that mean? It means you're sleep deprived, you're fatigued. So in other words, the prescription you receive indicates the problem that you have. 
right? The prescription you receive indicates the problem you have. So what is the prescription that Paul gives the Athenians? What, what is it that he tells them they need to do? He tells them, verse 30, he tells them that they need to repent. Verse 30 says this, um, In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Notice, this is not just for the Athenians. This is not just their problem. Paul says, all people, everywhere, that means you and me, are commanded to repent. So, what is it that keeps us separated from God? Well, if if the nature of the prescription indicates the nature of the problem, the, the prescription is repentance, right? So, what is the problem? The problem is sin. That's what separates us from God. Now, in, in the Bible, sin, is, it's not just bad things that we do. No, sin, sin is, is described as a condition of our heart. It's not just what we do. It's who we are. God, God, God said in, in Genesis 6, verse 5, God observed that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. And what that, what that means is because... Um, as a species, as a race, we have rebelled against God, right? Starting with our very first parents. Because of that, deep inside, um, we're broken. All of us, deep inside, we're, we are self-centered, we're cowardly, we, we are dishonest, you're always, you know, spinning the truth. We're, we are unloving and unbelieving, we're just broken inside. So even listen, here's the problem. Even though you and I, we were designed for a relationship with the living God, um, our messed up human hearts keep us from ever finding him. Or as, as the prophet Isaiah said to his generation, Isaiah 59 verse 2, he said this, your iniquities, your iniquities have separated you from your God. It's not, it's not that he's hiding from you. The problem is not God. The problem is here. Now, what is, uh, what is God's solution to this problem? Well, you know, some of the, some of the people in Athens, they, they might have been expecting Paul to introduce them to a new philosophy, right? A new area of study, a new, a new path to mindfulness. Uh, others, they, they might have been expecting Paul to teach them a new religion, some new practices for them to follow, some new, new rules for them to obey. But isn't it interesting? God's solution to our problem is not a new philosophy and it's not a new religion. No. Did you notice? God's solution to our problem is a person. A a person, verse 31 says, who rose from the dead. Here's what Paul says to them. I'll start at verse 29. He says, therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Verse 31, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Now, you know, who who is that talking about? Who did God raise from the dead? It's talking about Jesus. So Paul was saying to, the, to these, these ancient people in Athens, he's saying that God's, God's solution to our problem, to the fact that we're separated from him by, by sin, God's solution, it's not a new religion, it's not a new philosophy. God's solution to our problem is Jesus. 
Now, you may have noticed that he says here that someday God is going to judge the entire world through Jesus. Someday everyone will stand before Jesus Christ to be judged. And um, <laughs> that does not sound like a solution to the problem for me. That does not sound like good news. You know, I don't know about you, but well, <laughs> actually I do know about you. This is true about all of us. Guys, there, there are things that I've said. There are things that I've done. There are things that I should have done and I failed to do them. There are thoughts that I've entertained in my mind and attitudes that I've harbored in my heart. Listen, there, there are things about me that I would absolutely hate to be judged for. I mean, and, and I'm sure that's true for you. So it, it's, it's, not, it's not good news that someday Jesus is going to judge the world. Um, the good news, and this is what Paul went on to explain later. After this speech, people came up to him wanting to know more. All right, And, and what he explained to them, the good news. Here's the good news. If we turn from our sin and we just simply place our trust in Jesus, God, the, sol the solution that God gave to our problem, if, if we place our, our trust in Jesus, here's what we're going to find on Judgment Day. We're going to find that the one before whom we stand for judgment, already on the cross, already took all the judgment we deserve. <laughs> the judge took the judgment that we deserve. But you heard that <clears throat> you heard that earlier in the service. 1 Peter 3 verse 18, Christ suffered for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. So believer in Christ, isn't this wonderful? Isn't this amazing? This the sin that that separated you from God, this the sin that kept you from the very thing you were designed for to know your creator, that sin, your sin, all of it was placed on on Jesus. He took care of it. Is that great? He got rid of it. He died to atone for it. Why? To bring you to God. So if if listen, if you have um if you've been honest with God and with yourself about your sinfulness and you have just very simply expressed to Christ that you're placing your trust in Him. By the way, if you haven't done that yet, I think today would be a great day for you to start trusting Jesus, don't you think? But if listen, if you've trusted Christ like that, um, on Judgment Day, what awaits you is not punishment from God. Uh-uh, no. On Judgment Day, listen, believer, the only thing that awaits you is grace infinite grace that's that's the good news so paul you see paul here he's talking to philosophers so he's answering these big life questions why are we here what's wrong with the world where are we headed what you know what could fix this and here's what he tells him he tells us that our purpose your purpose is you were created for a relationship with god our problem is we're separated from god because of our sin that god's solution God's solution is he sent us his son. God didn't give us a new religion, some kind of you know moral ladder that we could try to climb up to, to make our way to heaven. No, that would never work for people like us. No, instead of giving us a ladder to climb up into heaven, listen, in Christ, God came down here. And through Jesus, he died to atone for the sins of those who trust him. He rose to conquer sin and conquer death. And, and, and someday he is coming back for us. And that's the good news. Amen. So would you pray with me? Father, thank you that in your word you, um, you answer for us 
big questions about life so that we, we don't have to stumble through the darkness and so we don't waste our time in this world. You tell us why we're here. You tell us what our problem is. And you, you tell us of your love for us in Christ. And I, just, I pray today, God, that for those who perhaps have known this message for years, it would, it, would, it would once again bring them joy. For those who need to embrace this message for the first time, that you'd give them the gift of faith, that they would know your joy in Jesus. And we pray this for his glory. Amen.